Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Yo. Yo. Aubrey Edwards, Tony Schiavone, we about to party. We bout to party, unrestricted, got the house now, we gon' turn it up, up, bring the house down, got that big space pump and make them bounce now, bouncing like they bouncing and the freaks are coming out now. Hey everyone, welcome to AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling. I am Aubrey Edwards, here today with my special co-host, who always fills in when we need him, Alex Aberhentes. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks again for having me. I'm so pumped, and I was so excited when I heard about who the guest was going to be this week. I know! I'm so, so pumped, and I'm so pumped for everyone to watch the video version of this and see her incredible office, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit. Athena, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm here. Hey! I made it! You made it! So recently, you had a tag match, Fighter Fest Night 2. Yep. You tagged with Willow Nightingale. So you two are like suddenly the most positive tag team in all of wrestling versus Jade Cargill and Kira Hogan. It was originally supposed to be a trios match. Unfortunately, Layla Gray was not clear to compete. So I'm curious, what goes through your mind when you like have an idea of like, okay, we're going to do this awesome trios match and you prep for it for a full week and then you come in and find out, nope, actually it's a tag. I feel like I'm one of those people that just prepare for everything. I know that that probably sounds weird, but I've been doing this a long time. So like... I, I kind of have this thing. It's like, it's not happening until it happened already. And then you're like, oh, wow, mm. it happened. So just prepare for chaos, prepare for fun, prepare for any possible outcome. Honestly, I had so much fun with Willow. She's, I wasn't expecting how, how bubbly and how much energy she had. Oh, yeah. And like, I think I have a lot of energy, but I was like, oh, this is excessive. Oh, this is, this is the start of a horror movie, isn't it? <laughs> this is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what got me was the purple hair. Both of you are rocking this purple hair. I'm like, holy cow, this is a tag team meant to be. This is pretty awesome. Yeah, it, it was. like, And that's the first time I've had any interaction like with Willow because uh, I think when we first announced that she was going to be our trio's partner, like I hadn't met her yet. Wow. <laughs> I know that that sounds crazy. And I was like, yeah, well, the baddies aren't going to jump Willow like that. So like, we're going to make Willow part of our team. Willow? <laughs> <laughs> so like when she finally showed up it was it was awesome because like i think me her and stat we hit it off immediately we were joking around all day as we usually do aubrey has seen it oh yes oh yeah <laughs> probably sick of it because we turn into like eight-year-old 
little girls at a slumber party very quickly. So it was really nice to have a third in there. And Willow, like I said, Willow was so pumped, so amazing. And like, she's always someone that I saw when I was not on the Indies because she came around when I was gone and I was, oh my gosh, she's just, she makes me smile every time I see her. And I'm like, I just want to hug her. I feel like I've known her forever. And she's just infectious with that energy. It's absolutely amazing. Sure is. And and let's switch gears about a person who's kind of the opposite. Jade Cargill, your (laughs) arch nemesis. Now, did you meet her on Twitter? Yeah, that's how we met. I was out day drinking with my mom, which is probably the worst time to be on Twitter. And uh, <laughs> or the best. <laughs> yeah. Or the Andrew, best. Right? Because my mom also is like, ooh, just do it. <laughs> so she posts, uh, she had just gotten her 30 and 0, I believe. And uh, she had posted who's next. And I saw it and it popped up my timeline because like all my uh, indie friends were, oh, pick me, girl. I'll beat you. And I was like, and I literally like take a sip of sake and I go, mom, should I respond to this? And she goes, do it. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing, nothing like some motherly advice. (laughs) And so we both like cheers to sake, do that. And I'm like, "Mm, question mark and do like the little think emoji on there. And then like, that's what started all of this. And, you know, like it was just like something that was meant for fun. And then it just went there real quick. And we just haven't stopped since then, you know, and it's, it's kind of cool on some level that when you think Twitter started a feud, but I feel like everyone goes through that every single day. Like, I like the shirt I have on. Well, I like the color blue. How dare you like the color blue? My shirt is black. So true. But yeah, that's how it started. And like, I've always been a fan. I've been watching AEW probably since the beginning and you know she's someone that just struck out sorry stuck out to me as like ooh, i want to wrestle her that's someone i want to be in a match with just the dynamic size difference because i think she's like six foot something i'm five nothing one i'm down here i i like overcoming a challenge and just her presence alone just makes you want to be like yeah like it just makes it feel like a big fight feel when you see her in like arch nemesis do i love her no do i hate her absolutely am i extremely respectful of everything that she's accomplished here in aew and the career path she set for herself absolutely everyone should recognize real recognizes real first and foremost so that's all i gotta say about jade all right, let's let's step back a little bit. We talked about Fighter Fest Night Two. Let's let's kind of rewind. Okay. Uh, so you debuted Double or Nothing, which was awesome. I was like, this is this is absolutely incredible. So happy we have Athena here. They're one of those like, oh, this was inevitable. But all of us are super pumped and excited about it. How was it getting to Vegas for you? Because I know like sometimes when we're trying to sneak in people, like I think we flew cold to Milwaukee and then drove him three hours. Like, what was your story? So my my story was quite complicated because originally, so the week before I found out everything was finalized, I was coming to AEW and I had a wedding in Vegas. And like, I had had a suspicion because we were already in talks and I was like, you know, I'm just going to stay in Vegas the entire week. uh, A friend of mine, Veda Scott, had a wedding Mm -hmm. and like, she was my maid of honor. So I had to repay the favor. And so me and my husband, I was like, I'm just going to stay in Vegas all week. And then I realized dynamite and rampage were live from vegas that same week and i was like i can't stay in vegas all week so the original plan was for me to stay in vegas all week then i go to st louis and do warrior wrestling come back to vegas and my stuff would already be there but then i realized i go oh no i can't go 
Vegas is my favorite city. So let me explain that. Vegas is my favorite city. I got married there. I go and I get thick girl problems in Vegas because there's tons of food. I throw away money in Vegas because what else is there to do? You know, that Vegas is my city. If you need a place to eat, hit me up on the Twitter. I got you. <laughs> That's how many times I've been to Vegas. And so I'm like, oh my God, Dynamite and Rampage are here. I have to get out of Vegas or else the surprise is going to be spoiled. And so I took down all of my hair extensions. I think I had short black hair, rocking the real cut and everything like that. And I was like, okay, literally we were at the uh, after party for the wedding and people were walking out like, oh my God, AEW shirts. Oh my God, Veda Scott, Mike Bailey. I'm standing right there beside them like, please don't recognize me. And no one, no one, I think because I always have this bright, colorful, vibrant hair, no one really recognized me. So I'm like, all right, got out of Vegas, went to Warrior Wrestling, my overnight flight, literally hopped on the first flight back to St. Louis, got to Vegas, went to my sleeper hotel, as I like to say, and they gave my room away. Oh, no. They were like, you didn't check in before midnight, so your room has been forfeited. (gasps) And so I'm on the phone with Travel. Travel's trying to get that set up. I literally hear travel like, what the F do you mean? You gave away her room. Can we book another room? And they're like, there's this big pay-per-view in town. So no, we gave her room away. Oh my gosh. And so I'm in the lobby with like these big sunglasses on, this mask on. I have a hoodie on in Vegas and it's like 200 degrees in Vegas. And I'm just sitting here like, gosh, this is the worst possible scenario. So Long and short, they get me into Mandalay Bay, which if anyone knows, that's where we stayed. There's tons of fans at Mandalay Bay. Oh, yeah. They were everywhere. So they come, they pick me up. They like show for me through like this back parking garage thing. They take me into like the the elevator and they're like, all right, here's your key. You don't have to check in. Just like, and I'm very much so looking like someone from the blue man crew right now. Just like very (laughs) suspicious. Just get me some drumsticks and some paint or something. And like, oh no, the surprise is spoiled. And I remember being in the elevator and there were like, and I just had my head down and they were like, oh, hey, yeah. And so they're, they're like, Huh. I remember seeing some guy go, huh? And he went to turn around, and the only thing I could think of was to start coughing maniacally. Like, <laughs> and he was like, oh. And, and so they moved like really close to the door, and they had like Adam Cole shirts on. And I'm like, oh my God, am I going to get away with this? Like, got up to the room, stuck out there, then got to uh, the arena finally, like later in the day. And thank goodness, like, hopefully. Those guys, whoever they were, are going to laugh about it later. I always say it's like, oh, yes, that was her in the elevator. Like, you know, I knew it. But yeah, I had a pretty hectic day, but it was awesome. It really was. So I love surprising people. That's the best part. (laughs) What was your experience? What did it feel like after being gone from kind of the mainstream for a while to finally be back and feel the electricity and debut in AEW in such a cool way? And then obviously Stokely Hathaway debuted the same day, which is weird because now you're kind of sort of involved with the whole Jade situation. So tell us all about that. So when I left the other company, I didn't know if I wanted to wrestle again. Like, it was just like, oh, this was like my big dream. And like, there had always been AEW, right? Like, and it was just always like, man, it looks like they're having fun. That's what I thought I was signing up for. And like, just watching and just dealing with what I was dealing with and then seeing this. And I'm like, just like staring and I'm like, oh my gosh, that looks so much fun. This looks like so much fun. And then just like, once I actually left, I was like, I think I'm good. And then it became, 
ah, crap, how are we going to pay the bills? Cause we had just bought a house and, you know, it was like, well, I guess I got to wrestle to pay these bills because <laughs> I don't have, well, I went to college for like six, eight years, but I never want to pick up a book ever again. I don't want to finish any of those degrees that I started. Just not my jam. And I was like, well, all right, let's lace up the boots. And so I had my first match back with Thunder Rosa and we did a 30 minute time limit draw. And I was like, and I remember being so emotional after, which I don't really get emotional about things, but it was just like, I had all these feelings going through my head of like, I almost threw this away. I almost let this go. And like, just being out there on the indies where people like appreciate every tiny little thing, every tiny bump, every intricate transition, people just appreciate it so much more than where I was, you know? And it was just like, I almost threw this away and I forgot what it was to love what I do in the ring. And I remember just like, there was like a rude fan thunder told him off as thunder does because that's she's a bomb chick like that and so she hands me the mic and i didn't even want to say anything because i knew as soon as i started talking the floodgates were gonna open which they did and i just was like thank you for just making me fall in love with this again and that was kind of my upswing to be like okay well it was just one match one match isn't going to make the world of a difference. And then I had another match and another one and another one. And then I became DJ Khaled. And then <laughs> it was just like, I love this. I started watching like old wrestling again, where is when I left, I just didn't watch wrestling at all. I was like, nah, I didn't watch anything. So I was like, this isn't fun for me anymore. I just got angry watching it because it was like, ah, burr. I, I became the Scrooge pretty much. But like, with every match that I had, it just felt like more and more like love and my passion was returning and I just became so much more driven and motivated. And then the infamous chair spot with me and Taya Valkyrie happened <laughs> and it was just like that went viral and like the old timers were mad about that. And it, it was a whole chaotic situation, but it went viral. And so it was just like, oh, crap. Oh, Athena's still out here doing her thing crazy and then like all of these people start coming in and be like oh hey we thought you quit oh hey we didn't know what you wanted to do and it just kind of came into fruition but like kind of fast forward to like my AEW debut it was just like I didn't know what the reaction was going to be I, I genuinely didn't I have gone into feuds being the good guy and gotten booed out of the arena at the beginning of the match and then turn the crowd by the tide of the end of it so like it's just like you never know what's going to happen and when that place erupted like I remember thinking I'm gonna walk out so cool and suave and be like I'm here hussy and <laughs> that did not happen and I remember just like feeling the energy from the crowd I started slapping my chest like a maniac skipping I've never been a rah-rah baby face by any means but that day I was I was like yeah let's go <laughs> you know and I just had so much energy and I was just so happy because on some level, you think that people forget about you. You think that they don't care. It's hard because I never expect people to react to me. And I think that that is one of my biggest attributes because I feel like I always have something to prove. And I always want to prove that, like, if you are a fan of Athena, if you're a fan of me in the before times, that, like, I earn that and I'm going to continue to earn that every time I step in the ring. So. It's, it's amazing to be back on a mainstream platform. It's awesome because people will still call me by a former name, be like, no, 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 that's wrong, that's wrong. You're Athena again, baby. And, and that's like, yeah, because Athena was the name that I started with when I first started wrestling. 
10 years before I even got signed to the other place. But like I was on the indies for 10 years. I made a name for myself with the name Athena. And now I have all of this extra knowledge. And there's like a seven year gap that we're just going to throw out the window right now. <laughs> and then now I'm here at AEW as Athena, kind of reinventing myself, getting the audience to know me as the character that kind of got me two places you know so it's really cool it's awesome but it feels like i'm doing it my way which is even better i know that, that sounds probably weird but it, it feels like i just i'm getting to be me and do it my way and do it the way i want to do and it's crazy and fun and so yeah <laughs> We're talking to Athena on AEW Unrestricted coming up, as you can tell in the video version. She's clearly a big gamer. We'll chat about that. We'll chat about how she got into wrestling coming up next. Hey, it's Alex and Aubrey. We are back. This is Unrestricted, and we have one of the most charismatic, most exciting wrestlers anywhere. She's brand new to AEW. Not brand new, but still new. The newness hasn't worn off, and I don't think it ever is going to be because she is just so enthusiastic, so much fun to watch. It's none other than Athena. We were talking in between the break about gaming because you're a big gamer. We see Super Mario yes. back there. Can you tell us a little bit about what is your favorite gaming platform? Have you always been into gaming? What are you into? Like a little bit of everything. As you see, like the first memories I have are like Frogger, which is Ooh, right here. Good choice. And I hold on, I'm trying to like. Eh, uh, then we have Mario Kart from '64. I have Rampage, Duck Hunt. Like it goes down the wall here, just filled with stuff. So like I started really, really early. I f I forget what it's called, but they had Frogger. That's the first video game I remember playing was Frogger, and it was on this little keypad thing. And it had this little plastic piece for whatever game you were playing. And you slid in the plastic piece and you hit the numbers according to what the plastic piece was. Ooh. And it had a little dial at the bottom. But it was called Frogger. It's it's a whole like console system. And it looked like telephones that you played with. But I can't remember the name of it. And everyone always tells me what this is. And I always forget. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I have a terrible memory. But yeah, so I have like just art of every video game but my dad was really big into video games he works with electronics him and my uncle would always get the dueling systems like the console wars were real with my <laughs> uncle and my dad like my uncle had sega so we had to get 64 snes then he was like oh you gonna get that i'm gonna get the playstation he's like oh well, we're gonna get this and like so that was always my like childhood is like I would go to my uncle, play one console, my dad would get another console. And just for years, it was always that. So I got like kind of obsessive about video games because I was very introverted as a kid. I didn't really have a lot of friends, but like I have video games. <laughs> so like and that was just like, you know, me and my dad to this day still play video games. We uh, played Switch Sports the other day. That is what we do for family holidays. We have a good meal. And then we're like, all right. Break out the penalty shots in video games. Let's go, you know? So, and, and so it's just something that's always been just in my life. And it's a part of who I am. So I'm normally like an RPG person, um, any type of story mode that can just take me away and escape. Because what we do is so immersive as performers, as wrestlers, that we have to take time out. But I can't just sit on a couch and do it. 
I really can't. So I have to immerse myself in something else. So video games now are just extremely like, that's my downtime. That's my relaxation. That's just the way I flow. But like, I have every console except a Sega Genesis in this house. Ooh, that's a that's wow. an interesting one to miss out on the, the Genesis. I think it's because I never had one as a kid. Like I have a Sega Game Gear that still works. The Game Gear's dope. I, I still have my Sega Game Gear, but I just never like the Sega Genesis. I know that sounds weird. I just never really cared for it. Now I have a Sega Dreamcast. There you go. Now that's one oh, of the best yeah. consoles that didn't last long. <laughs> but yeah, like, you're right. Oh, and I don't have an original Xbox, but it's the 360 was backward compatible, so it didn't really matter. So yeah, so I have a little bit of everything. Like I said, like I'll go through my retro phases where like right now I've been on the Dreamcast like crazy. <laughs> playing sega bass pro fishing because that's what you do is go <laughs> artificially yeah. fish when there's like a lake two miles up the road yeah but it takes effort to go out there just fire yeah, up the system you're good you gotta do the worms and just not about it not about it. but yeah i'm a big gamer uh, i play on twitch a lot i just play in my spare time in life normally my main consoles are probably nintendo and playstation right now just because xbox doesn't really have a lot of exclusives sorry xbox but we will be there for fable you give me a date we will be there that is the only reason i bought an xbox x series x that is the only reason we got that bad boys for fable so you're welcome xbox <laughs> there you go <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the Dreamcast was really just like a crazy taxi machine with like an awesome memory card. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just found it. I just found Crazy Taxi like last week and I haven't plugged it in yet. Oh. But I got Crazy Taxi and a memory card. But I'm looking for uh, Sonic Adventures 2 because that was when Shadow came through, baby. Yeah, but ah. And then I'm also looking for Ready to Rumble. I have Ready to Rumble on a different console, but Ready to Rumble on um, Dreamcast was just so fulfilling for me with the Rumble pack. Oh, so good. And Power Stone. We can't forget about Power Stone. Oh, man. I want them to remake that so bad. Yes. Anyway, I can talk video. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm I'm not going to stop you. Uh, I was actually going to ask, like, what's your favorite game of all time? Oh, that's that's hard. Or like top three, <gasps> top three. That's still super hard. Um, I know, right? <laughs> so I always say I have to base it off of what games I've played multiple times. And I think like the ones that are near and dear to my heart. Because when I was really broke, I only had three games, which was Super Smash Bros. on the GameCube. Best one. I had Fable 2. I am still, I haven't 100%ed it yet, but it's only because I beat everything. So there's an opportunity to buy the mansion at the end of the game. And then there's side adventures in that. So... That is the only thing. And my save keeps glitching right when I walk up to the mansion. And I just, <laughs> every time I'm like, one of these days it's going to work, but you can buy the mansion. And then for those that don't know, there's a couple of side missions in there. And that's how you hundred percent that game. But I played fable like nonstop. I, I just have too many. Like I'm sitting here. I'm like, yeah, I had fable one, fable two and super smash bros. Those were the three games I had for the longest period of time when I was broke and didn't have money and stuff. So those are very near and dear to my heart. But like any type of Mario sports game, like tennis, soccer, I'm I'm really good at Super Mario games. Like first off, it's if it's a sports game and there is Mario involved, like some people play Tekken, some people play Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, and they're like, oh my god, this is boss level. And then there's me. It's me, Mario, that pops <laughs> up. 
the crown comes on and I'm like, let's go. I'm like, really? Can you please make that your new catchphrase? It's a me, Athena. Please. <laughs> I can I buy the t-shirt right away. I feel like I would be canceled like Chris Pratt when they announced <laughs> this Mario. <laughs> Her face is like, oh my God, you didn't just say that. Oh, no, I'm sorry, great. world. It's we great. all know it's true. We were all like, how is that going to work? <laughs> I love I love Nintendo and I will probably be there first day of the theaters, but I'm like, it's a wait and see. <laughs> I'm going to wait and see because we have Jack Black as Bowser. And that's like the only reason why I'm in because I love Jack Black. That's going to be great. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. So you're also a big comic book fan, right? And you love the old school Batman. Is that right? <laughs> I love uh, 1960s Adam West Batman. Who doesn't? Oh, isn't that the best? Oh, my gosh. There was one year I was looking for Cesar Romero Joker. <laughs> oh. Because the pop figurine has the wispy mustache on it. And I could not find it, could not find it. And I believe my husband went and paid an astronomical amount of money, got me the Cesar Romero uh, Joker, got me the 1960s pop figurine with the Batmobile, Batman. And then he found the Burt Ward as well. And I was just like, ah. but it, it's my favorite. I, mean, I don't read comics so much anymore. I think the last comic I read was Old Man Logan, or just Logan, which is based in the future. And I think that they're actually doing a series on it now, which is going to be really cool. But yeah, like I, I don't really read comics anymore because I don't have time to. I feel like I've always traded one obsession for another. So like yeah. when I was a kid, it was comic books and video games. And then it was soccer. And I played that all the way up to college. And then I sacrificed soccer for wrestling. And then like, so it's just like subbing one thing for another, for another, for another, because I feel like I'm have such a um, one track mind that like, that's it. Actually, this is my favorite right here. This is my man right here. Black Adam. We don't, we don't care about Shazam. <laughs> we care about Black Adam. <laughs> I love Black Adam. There's a comic that I read, DC 52, and it kind of gives you a, it's one of the DC 52s. I don't remember the name. I know y'all about to trash me in comic book world. Calm down. But it's one of my favorites because you finally get like some simulants of a origin story for Black Adam and they kind of make him this anti-hero. But one of the coolest things was he goes to Gotham as an ambassador and he's like, this guy tried to kill me in the middle of his first press conference. And he goes, this is the man that tried to kill me last night. And he tears him in half and like causes mass panic. And then like everyone's screaming. They're like, why would you do that? And he's like, no, I'm showing you guys what you should be doing. Instead of putting people like the Joker, the Riddler, Scarecrow, all these people in Gotham, if you just kill them <laughs> before doing these crimes, we wouldn't have all these people dying. They wouldn't keep escaping. Like the problem would just be solved. And I'm like, damn, Black Adam, that's a good <laughs> logic right there. And so he goes back to his country and like the Justice League is all like, we, we got to stop Black Adam. He's doing all this evil. And so they fly over there and find out because people are so afraid to commit crime it doesn't matter if you steal an apple or, or kill a little old lady the penalty is always death so people are so afraid to commit crime that he's basically created a utopia out in the middle of the desert so they go and they're like why is everything pristine and perfect here this is crazy and so it, he basically creates a utopia but like honestly he's just one of my i call him my one of my favorite heroes other than batman so that says a little bit 
bit about me as a character because he's just logic it logically makes sense so i'm really pumped about the black adam movie because you know mr Dwayne johnson oh, yeah. is a big fan of black adam so i'm i'm fingers crossing because i saw some of the casting that they did and i'm like oh please touch on this story please touch on the story because the black adam comics were they weren't bad they were just okay they didn't live very long it was a very limited series but it was just okay so it was a thing Dwayne Johnson has the ability to come in and make anything like he's like this generation's uh Nick Cage where he like takes any B movie and makes it an A movie and it makes a fuckload of money and it's great so yeah I know I'm gonna enjoy myself and I'm not even a comic book nerd so but I'm a big Dwayne fan it's it's my jam. Like, and if you look at any person in that world, who else is going to play Black Adam? Yeah, nobody. Hi, Kitty. Yeah. You have a cat? Sorry, I sorry. She got in the room. <laughs> Pets are more than welcome on the podcast. Very pet friendly podcast. Come here, come here, fluffy butt. Yeah, come here. Come <laughs> say hi. Come say hi before I kick you out because she likes to play. Oh, with look at the kitty. This is Mama's girl right here. Aww. I refuse to name her Buffy. But yeah, so we, this is Buffy the Puppy Slayer, my big thickums, Winter, who was named after Game of Thrones, because Winter is coming, but Winter's always there now. She's the one that, like, when you first walk through the door, she greets everyone. She's like, hi, welcome to my house, pet me. Hi, (laughs) you came to see me. But if we're not here, she's the most antisocial cat. And then I have the crazy one, Azula, who I got from... (laughs) Um, Wyndham she's insane she throws temper tantrums she will go she likes the sound of her own voice uh so she will literally go in a room that has a massive echo and when we first moved into the house we thought the house was haunted uh because she would go in there and go hello (laughs) at like 2 a.m so like I hadn't been in the house for like the first two weeks traveling and when I got back I was here by myself and like it's a new house, right? Like we got it at a massive discount. And so the first thing that popped in my head is when I hear hello at 2 a.m. Like, what is hello? <laughs> I'm like, look, you just stay on that side. I'm gonna stay here. You can have it. And then, like, as <laughs> I call my husband who's out of town, I'm like, babe, the house is haunted. Can't do it. The house is haunted, babe. I, I'm hearing something say hello, and I can't deal with Demonica on that side of the house. She's <laughs> stay over there. I'm leaving the house. I'm just letting you. <laughs> and so he, he's like, what is wrong with you? So one day we threw like a, I left my phone up there one day, just put it on the charger and had it filming. And it's the cat just going, hello. <laughs> <laughs> you need to record this and put this online, please. It's, it's just so just like oh just like oh so for like three weeks i thought the house was haunted i didn't go to that part of the house at all like it, it was the damn cat <laughs> oh my god i mean my my cat bailey does the same thing anytime she wants attention she just walks to the bathroom and then just starts yelling because it's the best acoustics in the house it's great she just likes the sound of her own voice because i think that's the yep. first time she, that she heard it and she was like <gasps> and she'd jump up and go hello <laughs> I'm just like, what is that? My cat is crazy, but like, can't make these things up as a pet owner. You can't. You can't. <laughs> we're we're talking to Athena on AEW Unrestricted. We've got fan questions coming up, and we'll talk a little bit about wrestling and how she got into it. 
This is AEW Unrestricted. We got Alex Eberhentes and Aubrey Edwards here with Athena, the fallen goddess. We've been talking video games. We've been talking about lots and lots of stuff. Mario. Mario. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Mario Strikers was like my jam in college. Oh, we should play. Oh, yeah. It's It's been years. We got to call Uno and do like a Twitch of it or something. Mm. Let me let me know. I have an extra copy. I will totally give you a copy so you can practice up because like I murdered them when we were on AEW games. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I'm a big button masher. So you'd probably still win. <laughs> fair, fair. Anyway, anyway, let's uh, we talk video games. We talk all this other stuff, but let's actually bring it back to wrestling. Tell us about your interest in professional wrestling and kind of how it started. So my earliest memories of pro wrestling was uh, when I used to stay with my grandfather out in the country. There's two U's instead of an O, country. (laughs) And so a lot of like me staying with them, my parents would leave me with them for three, four weeks in the summer, sometimes the whole summer, or I'd split it between my two grandmothers. But basically wrestling was up there with like church and chores. So if wrestling was on, I would have the choice of doing, all right, baby, do you want to wash these dishes? Go pick the pecans out of the yard. Or do you want to watch wrestling with your grandpa? And I'm like, that other stuff sounds like work. So I'm going to, I'm just going to go over here. Right. So as a kid, I, I would watch wrestling. I had no interest in it. And at that time, it was like the sportatorium days, world-class championship wrestling. Like everything was black and white. I didn't really understand what I was watching on any level, but I just knew wrestling was there. And I just saw how like happy my grandfather would get or how into it my grandfather would get. And he'd be like, Meh! and then like, and that would always work some fight between him and my grandmother or something. And she'd be like, shut up in there. I'm going to make you turn it off. You get too excited. You knock off all this stuff. Like I get a real country accent sometimes when I go to that part of town too, but I got out of it. Like, I, like I said, I, I traded obsessions. I was very introverted, but I had gotten into soccer and then video games. And I kind of just kind of isolated myself because I think even at a very young age, like people were weird if they didn't have the same likes and interests as me. But I just realized yeah. over time I'm the weird one. And so kind of fast forward to middle school, uh, actually kind of elementary school to middle school, which is like fourth, fifth grade to like eighth grade, that range where you're trying to discover yourself and try to deal with all these hormones of puberty yeah. and all that stuff. I kind of, I, I was tiny and thick, Q-U-E on the back end yeah. of that. <laughs> and I got picked on a lot because I loved comic books. I liked things that most people didn't like. I remember my first day of school, I got into a fight because I had a Barney shirt on and like Barney was still cool to me. Damn it. Yeah. You know, and I got into this fight and just that kind of sparked me being bullied more and more to the point where there was this girl, uh, her name was Amy. She stuck up for me one day because basically between fourth and fifth period, there was a certain area I had to cross and I tried to find ways around it, but I'd always get shoved in a locker. I was tiny. Okay. Like, and we have the half lockers. It wasn't even the full lockers. It was the half lockers. And so they would take whatever money I had left over from lunch and they would shove me in that locker every time. And then I'd have to sit there and tap on the door till the hall monitor found me. And that would be a thing like almost every day. One day this, I guess like this girl had seen it. Her name was Amy. She's awesome. Like we still talk, we parted ways because different lifestyles, but we still catch up every now and again. And she stuck up for me one day 
And she was right there beside me in the locker. (laughs) And so, you know, we just kind of became friends and she was a massive wrestling fan. And so she would come and she'd, oh, did you see Rey Mysterio? Oh, did you see D'Lo Brown? Oh, did you see Viscera? Oh, did you see? And so we kind of, I got back into wrestling because of her. Right. And I was like, whoa. And so when I look at wrestling, it wasn't just seeing them fight. It was that they were able to say what they wanted to say and do what they wanted to do without any consequence. And something about that to me was so magical because I was stuck in a world where I couldn't say what I wanted to say because I get beat up. I couldn't do what I wanted to do because people would judge me that I'd end up in a locker. And so I got very kind of obsessive with pro wrestling around that time. And I remember going on the dial-up intrawebs that if someone called in the middle of you trying to dial up, that was just, just start murdering things in the house because Lord knows you've been waiting for 20 minutes at that point in time to get on there. And, but like I would go and research wrestling schools, like seventh, eighth grade, like, okay, there's OVW. Okay, OVW is next to this college. I'm going to, like in eighth grade, I was trying to position myself to where I was going to go to college right next to a prestigious wrestling school and Ohio Valley wrestling, uh, which was OVW. And then there was deep South. And then there were all these like, kind of, all right, well, Harley race runs this school. There's not a college that has my major. I want to, and, and I would just start puzzle piecing all of this stuff of where I wanted to go because I was going to be a pro wrestler because I was going to say what I wanted to say and do what I wanted to do. and then. I ended up getting accepted to all those schools that I wanted to go to, but we just couldn't afford it. I would get scholarships. I was a straight A student till my senior year when my grandfather passed away. And that's when I was just like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this wrestling thing. This is, I, I went to this weird funk and I was just like, I'm going to be a wrestler because that was kind of the last thing he had said to me, which kind of still like every time I go out, it's just like, it's in my heart. And I remember the last conversation we had, we were watching Monday Night Raw. One of the girls' matches were on, and I couldn't I couldn't tell you who it was because I knew what was happening. I was very distraught, and I was sitting on his bedside. Sorry, I'm trying not to get emotional. Oh, I was sitting on his bedside, and he goes, you know, and I was like, yeah, you know, like we used to. And he was like, you really love this, don't you? And I was like, yeah, I, I do. And he goes, don't let anyone tell you you can't do it. Then go out there, do it. And he goes, I'm going to see you up there one day. And oh, my God. Two days later, he had passed away. So it was just one of those things that I just got ever more isolated. Like I, like I said, I played soccer. That was my jam. I thought I was going to go to Europe, play for Liverpool, (laughs) you know, Liverpool Blacks, because they had just started the women's league over there and, you know, Mia Hamm and all that stuff. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And so I kind of forgotten about the wrestling thing a little bit. And when he died, it just kind of like snap back on is like no I do love this this is what I want to do and like I think because I was a straight A student and soccer would get me into college and even if I could go to one of those schools that I wanted to go to on a soccer scholarship I wouldn't have had time to wrestle because college soccer is a whole another whole another beast of conditioning and dedication I don't don't know it was just one of those things that like it just kind of snapped back into me I got scholarships. I couldn't go because we couldn't afford it at the time. And loans were not a thing I was too familiar with as well. 
in any scholarship I did have only cover the out-of-state fees, which is BS. Mm -hmm. Or it would be like, oh, we'll cover your lodgings and out-of-state fees, but you still have to pay $50,000 for a year of this prestigious college. Yeah, Everything sounds better with the British accent, (laughs) I think. But uh, it's all terrible. (laughs) So I ended up going to community college, but lucked out because there weren't enough schools and the ncaa so i actually got to play ncaa for a year but i ended up finding a wrestling school within the city (laughs) in a public storage building of course (laughs) and the trainer was general skandar akbar wow how cool is that uh, well here's the thing i didn't know who he was for the longest time because remember i didn't pay attention too much i was just like look i ain't gotta do chores i'm gonna sit here but like i didn't realize how well of a trainer and how well known he was because like mm-hmm. he would be like oh jbl's gonna come by and do and i'm like what jbl how do you know jbl and they're like oh hey we're gonna try to get a taker in you know i know big red from blah 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 and i'm like what you know so like all of these <laughs> people who knew skandar and even then like recently i found out uh dustin rhodes actually know Skandar and trained with Skandar as well. So it's like, it's really cool to have that old school mentality and old school feel. And I just didn't know at the time how prestigious of a career that he did have, but not only that, just how many people that he knew in the world. So it's really cool. It's one of those things that like, when people are like, who are you trained by? Like, oh, Skandar Akbar and Booker T. And they're like, you know, Skandar, (laughs) you know, like, that's always Yeah, I kind of call myself a mutt when it comes to training, though, because like I was trained by Skandar Akbar, I was trained by Booker T, I was trained by Lance Hoyt, Lance Archer. I trained with him for quite some time. I trained with a Texas guy named Action Jackson. I went and trained with Rodney Mack, Jazz. And so I traveled all over the world just to get as much knowledge as possible. So at one point in time, I was a powerhouse. I was a technician. Booker taught me to be a high flyer. He's like, you're short. You need to learn how to do this. And I'm like, okay, cool, Booker. Like, you know, so I've I've had this massive pedigree of like all of these amazing trainers because I just sought the knowledge. And it's one of those things that it's just like, I want more. I want more. And I'll always be greedy and always want to keep learning and always want to try to push the boundary of what we can do in pro wrestling. That's my wrestling story. I can- <laughs> I've got to ask you because this is a question that I wanted the answer to for a long time because you have been known to have one of the greatest finishers in wrestling. It's just so impressive. It's just so precise every time you hit it. Just when you think that, oh, there's no way she could possibly hit it because she's too far away or the positioning's off. You find a way to hit it. And this is actually one of the questions that we received. And I can't believe this person's name. His name is Loose Beef. How did you come up with your finisher? Yeah. Um, well, well, loose beef. I feel like we're going to have a great conversation <laughs> here with this. Um, so I actually did not create my finisher. What? I know it's crazy. I know it's crazy. I say this all the time because the person that created the finisher, uh, his name was James Johnson, loose beef. He had a gigolo gimmick, loose beef. So. <laughs> His name was Jigolo James Johnson. He created the move. He, um, when he retired or was going to retire the first time, I asked him, I said, Hey, could you teach me how to do this? And he goes, if it was anyone else, I would say no, but okay. And so like eight painful months later, I finally figured out how to do it, but I was doing it off the second rope. 
which is a lot harder <laughs> because you don't have enough room to like you have to go there's there's no room there's no nice floaty and then death it's just oh we're here right so i i was doing it off the second because i'm afraid of heights <laughs> whoa and booker was the one that got me to start doing it off the top rope but that's the reason why i call it the o phase so that was the only condition of me keeping the move in doing the move was that I had to continue to name it the O-Face. Now, loose beef, with all that information, my man being a gigolo, uh, I want you to go look up what O-Face is. <laughs> and then, because I'm not going to say it on here, you know, I feel like we're unrestricted, but mm. I'm classy. I'm a classy broad. Damn Way it. to keep it classy. Yeah, so loose, <laughs> loose beef, because I just want to keep saying that over and over again. But yeah, that was my condition of doing the move was to call it the O-Face. And then, it just kind of took off from there and I've been doing it for 13 years. Uh, it's it's my baby. It's the one thing that I protect more than anything. And I've seen people attempt to do it and it's just the funniest thing to me. Oh, yeah. I've seen a couple people hit it off. Not as good, but it's like, ooh, we try. <laughs> but like it's <laughs> like a solid B, B minus. <laughs> Watching people just try to attempt it. It's just really funny to me. Like a lot of it's just falling and I'm like, ha. <laughs> so. I don't know. That's that's where the move comes from. I'm sorry. I know we have more questions and I'll stop talking. <laughs> I do want to make sure we touch on this one question before we get a uh, run out of time because it was great. Pro Wrestling Monster Hunter asks, where did you put the keys? I want to go yell at him right now. <laughs> <laughs> Matt is my husband. Pro Wrestling Monster Hunter is my beautiful, loving husband. I love him to death. The keys are probably where you left them on the counter. <laughs> he's he's the love of my life he's put up with me for almost 13 years now he's my soulmate i love him to death he deals with all this chaos and i don't know why <laughs> all right what else we got we have a question from specs favorite match of your wrestling career oh that's no that's no that's hard right because <laughs> sure that's that's extremely hard because Here's the thing. I have a lot of fun matches in my career. Like, I, I loved wrestling Mia Yim and then two out of three falls match. I love wrestling Asuka at Brooklyn Takeover 3. I, there was this four-way with me, uh, Ruby, Sasha, and I think Natty. That was amazing. There's a triple threat with me, Ruby, and Sonya. Like, there's so many matches that are just out there and there's so much fun but there's like a couple of like i have favorite moments right mm -hmm. i talked about it earlier of like i walked out and got booed when i was supposed to be the good guy like i mean just hiss just mass booze and i just remember going huh, oh you just wait and see y'all gonna be cheering me by the end of this match i remember just having that mentality and being like mm -hmm. we don't we don't see how y'all feel after this match is over and that's one of my favorite moments. Like another one is uh, me and my best friend, Alexa. We would mess with each other so much on live shows. And <laughs> I remember one day I said, I bet you won't do the hokey pokey. And literally she starts doing the hokey pokey in the middle of the match. And I just roll down the ring and start laughing. <laughs> you know, I, I have these super fun moments of like, it's it's weird, right? I wrestled Janae Kai on at Warrior Wrestling not too long ago. And one of my favorite moments is that I did the karate kid in the middle of the match because she was doing all these kicks and stuff like that. And I finally like hit her down. And I go, 
and I can't balance well. So <laughs> I'm just like wobbling here and the entire crowd like erupted. Like I don't have favorite matches because there's never going to be the perfect match for me because I'm always going to want more, 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 more. But like the matches that I do have, it's just like, what are those moments, right? Like in the tag match with me and Jade, Willow and uh, Kira, the crowd reaction for me and Jade before we even touch, those are the things that I remember. And those are the things that resonate in my heart as like, this is a good moment. This is going to be one of those things that I remember later on. I'm like, oh girl, when I have my walker and stuff and like 12 pounds of cupcakes behind me, like hopefully all of this is cupcakes when I get older. (laughs) Um, I'm like, girl, do you remember the time before we even touched the crowd? I remember they, they just rattled my bones. Like, you know, (laughs) something like that i don't know i have favorite moments right and i feel like it's very unfair to have a favorite match i 100 agree and you know just to kind of segue into that like this podcast has been one of my favorite moments of my podcasting time for the last few years like you're just an, an absolutely incredible person you've got this amazing charisma wonderful backstory and so many so many stories and thank you so much for being here today Thank you. We have to come back and do more of me talking about terrible stories. Maybe I'll tell you about the time that I hit a kid on a plane. Uh, I don't know. What a cliffhanger. Yeah, I know. What a cliffhanger. Now you'll have to have me back now. Uh There we go. (laughs) It's a threat, but it's not. I got to hear about this kid on a plane. Anyway, (laughs) this has been AEW Unrestricted. You can listen to this podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday on all of your favorite podcast platforms. You can watch the video episode on Mondays on TNT's YouTube channel. You can see all the amazing posters she has in the background and her adorable kitten. All these wonderful, wonderful things. You can watch Elevation on Mondays, Dark on Tuesdays, Dynamite on Wednesdays, Rampage on Fridays. We are all over the place. You can see Athena wrestle and do the O-Face to a bunch of different people. It's awesome. I'm Aubrey Edwards along with my co-host, Alex Eberhentes. Thank you for listening to AEW Unrestricted. Come on, throw your hands up. Let me see you. Unrestricted.